This episode is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish is a personalized vitamin regimen customized to you. Backed by 45 years of science, they remove the guesswork from your vitamin regimen. With thousands of happy customers, Nourish is a trusted supplement brand by many. Visit Nourish.com to create your customized package today. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how has your week been? Uh, it's been very busy, Bryce, thank you. I was in Liverpool for um, the Champions League qualifier with Hoffenheim. So, um, yeah, what a bit of a mixed um, fortunes for me. Obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I was exceptionally happy, but I was covering it for um, football grad from a Hoffenheim angle. So there was uh, lots to pick over in the press conference. Let's just say it was a slightly more humble Julian Nagelsmann on the Wednesday than the one I chatted to on the Tuesday. But um, yeah, it's been busy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it definitely seemed that way. I can see you all the way up in the stand. I was fortunate enough to be at the game too. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, joining Chris and I, as always, is uh, Manu Vett as well. And Manu, how have you been this week? Yeah, very, very busy as well. Um, you know, Bundesliga work kept me busy. And um, the Champions League game, of course, you know, I was aiding Chris from uh, from home and basically doing the, the Twitter background and all that. And that was a really busy weekend for us. It was a very busy weekend on, over on Football Grad, too, because, you know, we had all these teams from the post-Soviet space in action. So it was, it was really busy. This week seemed like it took forever, but also went past, like a like, whirlwind. So, yeah. It's been busy, but good. I mean, it's been really, really good and productive. And we got the UEFA and Europa League draw. And I think we can be quite happy with it. Yeah, definitely. We're going to have plenty to talk about tonight. Not just uh, Bundesliga, but also transfers and obviously the European competitions. But I just said um, the transfers. And we're going to start off with a topic that we touched on a little bit last week when we had a uh, uh, Stefan on with us, and that is Uzmane Dembele has left uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Chris, um, we, we kind of seen this coming, didn't we? Uh, though at least um, it's a shame. Well, it's a shame for the Bundesliga. It's a shame for Dortmund, but at least Dortmund are, are seem to be getting uh, paid rather handsomely from this transfer. Yeah, it's a it, it's a big transfer. I'm, I'm a little disappointed to be honest, but that's maybe because I'm never going to see Dembele play again because I don't really watch La Liga. Um, so unless Dortmund pull him in the Champions League, um, I, I probably won't see them. But yeah, 150 million uh, in total. Um, it's it, it's a good deal considering what they bought him for. But um, yeah, disappointment. I think I'm more disappointed the way he left, really, and the way he forced himself out. I didn't really leave them with an option. Although they could have said no, but um, he'd already made his bed, hadn't he? He'd moved out of his house. He'd gone over to Paris. He was awaiting. Obviously, now he's in Barcelona. Um, I was more um, impressed that it looked like they didn't miss him yesterday. So, I mean, I know we're going to get onto that, but um, 
yeah, it, they they got a lot of money for him. I suppose in the end, um, they got way too much money for him because he's definitely not worth that. Um, he, he may be in four or five years' time, but as it stands now, I don't think he's worth 150 million euros. Yeah, massive, massive transfers we've seen going around this summer, and that um, is definitely one of the the biggest that we've seen. Um, Manu, uh, what do Dortmund do from here? They've obviously got plenty of money if they decide to spend. Is there anyone in particular coming in, or or is there a few people that they're looking at, maybe? Well, the the big story that's breaking right now, it seems uh, Andrei Yamolenko from Dynamo Kiev is the man. Um, third time is a charm. They've negotiated twice already with Dynamo Kiev. And both times the deal didn't happen because he is on silly money over in Ukraine. And I guess I have to kind of explain that a little bit, is that he earns $5 million in playing for Dynamo Kiev. And the way salary is structured over in Ukraine, that means that, you know, getting $5 million means he's getting $5 million after tax. That, of course, is... I have to do the conversion real quick in my head. I believe that is about 4.5 million euros at the moment after tax, which made him a very... always made him a very difficult transfer target to get. Now, Dynamo Kiev have financial problems um, right now because the owners of Dynamo Kiev, the Sukkis brothers, they had their accounts frozen um, when the Privatbank which is where they had their um, most of the assets located on was um, institutionalized by the state. So, you know, they, they struggle a little bit with money. So um, I, I can see them pushing Yamolenko to, to take this deal. And um, from what I've heard from sources from Ukraine, and this is where the story really is breaking from, is from Ukraine. And it's not any sources, Artem Frankov, who is a very respectable Ukrainian journalist, and uh, wouldn't say what he's saying um, unless there was at least an ounce of truth to it. And um, it seems like they're going to pay 25 million euros for him, right? So considering that they shipped out Usman Dembele in a deal worth, I think it's 147 million euros with all the bonuses. And Hans-Joachim Watzke lately it said to ZTF, uh, I believe, yesterday on television that the, the way the bonuses are structured is that they're all going to get all those bonuses within a year. So they're very easy to hit bonuses. Um, so, you know, they have a lot of money from this deal. But yeah, it seems to be Yamolenko is the man. We, of course, we have an article on Fußballstadt where we listed um, a bunch of other players. Malcolm from Girondo um, Bordeaux. Draxler, Julian Draxler, of course, from PSG because PSG needs to sell players. Uh, Maxwell Cornet um, from Olympic Lyon, who has also been listed by a few news outlets, including Stefan Buschko, who we had on last week. And then Julian Brandt, I think that was the, the, the wish transfer from a lot of Borussia Dortmund fans. Um, Stefan also brought him up. But I think he's very unattainable. Bayer Leverkusen would probably ask for a big chunk of the Dembele money. So, And, you know, Chris, they don't really need another talented player. I think they really need someone who can just jump in right away and play on this level and has proven to play on this level, right? Yeah, you, you'd think so because... I know they've lost Dembele and he was an up and an emerging talent, but I think he's he's a little bit different than you than your general youth player. We saw how good he was last season. So they need to be able to replace him with someone who can come in, as you say, and start playing straight away. So if they were to invest it in youth again, I don't know how much benefit that would be this season, which I think might be their best season to 
um, catch Bayern and overtake them and, and win the league. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They need to go out and invest in someone who can hit the ground running. Um, although Maximilian Phillips looks like he has hit the ground pretty well. But, uh, so, you know, I don't think we can question their decision making. Sometimes when they opt to buy a player, they, they normally get it right pretty much. And uh, but I, I would like to see them go out and buy a household name, um, maybe from inside Germany, maybe from outside Germany. And someone who can come in and really give them that extra push in the Champions League and definitely in the Bundesliga. I, and Manu, what can you tell us about Yarmolenko before we uh, move away from uh, his, his transfer coming? What, what kind of player is he? He, he I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm a bit shocked that this transfer is happening now. Um, and it, it really seems, and I, I know that everyone is kind of surprised about it because, you know, I've tracked Yamolenko's career now since I lived in Ukraine in 2013. And he was a fantastic player then. And he still is a very good player, but he's played in a league that has been on a downward slope so he hasn't progressed hasn't hasn't had the the environment to progress in and um so i'm kind of surprised this transfer is happening now because about three years ago he was at his very best he was a fascinating player to watch and he still is i mean he's um an, a true athlete he's very strong um he used he's actually trained as a striker which meant that um about five six years ago a lot of people compared compared him to Andrei Shevchenko, which is a bad comparison in a lot of ways because um, they put him from the center of the pitch and uh, put him on. He can play either wing, and he's um, very fast and he's a very good dribbler on 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 the ball and he's very good in his pace off the ball and um, he has that speed and directness that Dortmund need um, and. Bosch really loves, right? He loves players who are straight onto the net. He doesn't like players that hold the ball unnecessarily. And um, Yamolenko can do that. The The one concern that I have is that he was basically now playing in a league. And Ukrainian Premier League, those people that are listening to the Football Grad podcast know that there's so many political problems in Ukraine right now, which meant that the league has basically gone from 16 to just 12 teams. It's essentially a two-horse race nowadays of Shachta Donetsk and um, Dynamo Kiev. And Dynamo Kiev themselves have financial problems, right? So and uh, all the teams around them are basically having financial problems. We, we mentioned on the Football Ground podcast that teams been playing in the Europa League now, Ukrainian teams that used to be full of Brazilians and superstars from abroad, some of them don't even have a single foreigner in their squad, you know. So, you know, it's not it's not a very competitive league right now. And he's been playing in that league for three years. And that's that's really that's definitely a concern I have with this transfer. But you know, I've seen him in stadium life many times. I've the first ever game that I've done as a journalist was in Kiev and that was a national team game of the Ukrainian national team where they played Cameroon. And it was funny because my, my, one of my friends, one of my Ukrainian journalist friends asked me, he's like, who are the players you can see going abroad and where would they fit? And I said back then when I saw Yamolenko, it's like, Yamolenko, bang, get him. Like, if you're a Western European team, you have to go get him because he's very, very good and he's perfect to play in the Bundesliga. But that was in 2013, you know, and that's really a big concern that I have with this transfer. Yeah, so Chris, if we look at this weekend's game, though, uh I mean, we've seen Dortmund win 2-0 against Hertha and 
Yeah, what a performance they put on. It was fantastic, wasn't it? You would look at that side. I know they need maybe players for uh, squad depth and that, but on the field, that 11 looked fantastic. I thought Pulisic um, included in that. Oh, yeah, they were um, they were lightning fast. Um, it's um, It was very Dortmund, wasn't it? It was very old Dortmund. Uh, Manu, you said at one point it was like Klopp's Dortmund. Oh, no, that was the other day. You said that was um, Liverpool were like Klopp's Dortmund. Um, but- no, but I did say that too. <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> I did say that uh, when I watched the Liverpool game, that was like when they played the best at Dortmund. But I also did say that on the when we spoke on Saturday, didn't I? It was yeah, it was like Klopp's Dortmund. You're right. Yeah, it was. It's, I tweeted out. Is it a little bit early to say this is heavy metal football back at Dortmund? <laughs> but the speed. Um, Bosch has gone with four three three, which we all knew was the the proper formation for this team. Um, and he, he looks like he's going to stick with that. You know, we, he may experiment during the season, especially when teams want to sit a little deeper, especially in, in European games. And I'll be uns- I'll be surprised if he doesn't change it then. But at the moment, he's going with the strongest um, formation. Um, Castro, man, Manu, we chatted this during the game. Looks like you know a player reinvigorated. I was chatting to one of my friends over in Dortmund after the match um, via text, uh, and and they said that he is the biggest winner in this management change at the moment, or the head coach change. Um, he's just a, a player revitalised. Thought Pulisic, we all know how good he is anyway. Um, Maximum Philip was all right when you know he had a good couple of uh, shots and opportunities on goal. I thought he looks like he's going to settle well to this squad. Um, Top Rack made a fantastic tackle when he came on. Um, Dahoud um, enlightened me when he came on with you know with his vision of forward play. I thought it was a really really good uh, Dortmund performance. If I was going to be ultra critical, it should have been four uh, nil, maybe even five nil. Uh, but you know a two nil home win, you can't ask for any more than that if you're a Dortmund fan. Uh, Nuri Shahin is probably the other big winner. Exactly Sorry, yes, I, I should have mentioned say. him. Um, you know, he was. Uh, I spoke to someone from the club about this, um, and, and they made reference that he was. You, you said to me, bear in mind, he was left out of yeah. the um, Pokal final squad four weeks ago. Now we've seen what a mistake. Well, no, they won the they won the Pokal, but looking back. He obviously didn't get on with Tuchel very well. We saw the aftermath on, um, I think it was either Sport 1 or ZDF, in the um, post-match interviews in the studios. The players weren't particularly happy that he wasn't in the squad. And he looks like a real good squad member. And he played fantastic on Saturday. It was a really, really good team performance. I'm glad I didn't have to call man of the match for it. But just to go back to Sahin as well, what a strike, Chris. Uh, That was, well, thunderous. 108 kilometers an hour that ball hit the net at so that is a fair old whack um yeah it was a fantastic strike i don't think you'll score a sweeter goal than that all season caught it beautifully um as i mean i haven't played properly for a long time now but as a player when a ball hits your foot you know the minute it touches your foot if that's going in and he knew the second he made contact with that it was going in it was a fantastic goal yeah, absolutely fantastic. And Sahin actually got the assist uh, for uh, for the other goal as well. So very good start by him and Dortmund. But we're going to go over to, um, obviously, their main their title rivals, Bayern Munich, who have managed to pick up another three points and, uh, well, a second win. That was 2-0 away to Werner Bremen. 
Manny, we kind of suggested uh, over the summer, didn't we, that uh, we we thought that you know they might struggle a little bit more this year, but they seem to be getting back to um, well, I suppose winning ways would suggest that they weren't winning uh, before that, but they uh, they seem to be um, getting through the gears okay, don't they? Yeah, playing a very 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 poor Bremen side, and um, you know, you guys know my opinion about Werder Bremen and their head coach. I, my opinion isn't very high, and I thought that Bremen could have maybe done a bit more damage uh, if they had uh, executed their attacking plays a little bit better. This was actually the game that I, I focused on the most this weekend, and. Um, I was a bit disappointed at that because I feel that this Bayern side is vulnerable, especially um, going backwards. And even with Thiago on, Stefan rightfully pointed him out last week. And uh, I think that he he is a big difference maker. But Bayern's play doesn't blow me away uh, as it did. You know, I remember under Guardiola when I was in the stadium, they were just—it was breathtaking watching them. And I'm by no means a Bayern fan, but it was the, probably the most, the perfect football, the best football I've seen in my entire life, played by a team. I was in in the stadium when they when they dismantled Borussia Dortmund five zero. That was the best team performance I've seen by any team ever played. And the, that magic is gone. It's uh, it's completely and utterly absent. It's the, the they won this game in the end because they had the better individual talent on the field, and you know that was Robert Lewandowski, and uh, two magnificent strikes, very good goals, and um, VAR worked this time, right, Chris? Uh, we had some doubts about it by the <laughs> first goal, yeah. but they actually did get yeah, it right. Did. Uh, they did get it right, so kudos to them. But I mean, Lewandowski is. If you got someone like him in the squad, even if you, as a side, if you if you're not gelling as well, he's such a big difference maker. Yeah, he is, and he was the main difference maker, wasn't he? Yesterday, uh, if I think if we cast our mind back to when we first started doing this pod, which is you know not that far off a well, it's that far off a year ago, a couple of months, but we said originally that we thought Bayern were a little boring. Um, and maybe they've started again like that. The back end of last season, especially when we saw them play at Leipzig, um, they were phenomenal and they weren't boring at all. But for the first part, of, well, for the first half of last season, I thought they were particularly boring and they just ground out results. Um, and they did that again today. Uh, I think they're going to be hard pushed this season, but you're right. Um, Bremen were poor. They weren't particularly good when I saw them uh, in Hoffenheim last week. Um, and I think Nuri just took it on the chin that they would be a little better this time out and, and they weren't. Um, there was at one point I thought Bayern would be lucky to get away with a draw, but I think it just fell apart in the second half and especially during that midway through the second half um, when uh, Lewandowski you know, got both his goals. Um, I'm looking at two goals in, what, three minutes? Um, and yeah, you're right, VAR. I was um, adamant, adamant it was offside um, until I saw it for about the 15th time um, and then noticed that although he was ahead of the player, the ball was played backwards, so therefore he's not offside. It is a little unknown rule, um, but I had to see it. You know, I, I exaggerate there with 15 times. I'd see it about six or seven times. So, yeah, well done to the guys uh, sitting in the TV centre in Cologne who got it pretty much spot on straight away. That was a difficult call to make, even with the the cameras, right? So it's yeah, because I believe the lines aren't working at the moment, are they? That's a very good question. I, I know that Hawkeye had a very uncomfortable uh, appointment in uh, 
in Frankfurt this week with the DFL. And uh, a few things have been discussed. And it, it was apparently very uncomfortable for Hawkeye because the, the company that runs the goal line technology and the, the lines on the field and the entire VR system um, has been under heavy fire. And there has been even talk that if it doesn't get fixed soon, the entire experiment will be ended. Yeah, it was interesting to see the statement on the Bundesliga's main website um, saying that they will continue with VAR, but you could read between the lines that they're not particularly happy with uh, the technology at the moment. And the technology's there. Um, it just seems to be failing at the most crucial time, which I you know is a new technology and is going to be teething troubles, but let's not forget that this was trialed last season in the background. Yeah, and you know, Chris, we discussed this off the pod, and I feel like we need to bring this up. Um, this is for our American listeners. They will, of course, know this guy. They have a guy named Dr. Joe on uh, Fox Sports or Fox Soccer, and uh, they, their programming actually has, in general, has improved. I, I've been very impressed with them this season. But they also have this guy, Dr. Joe, who's a former referee. I believe he was in the NASL. And he complained about the fact that German referees do not use the monitor that they have to disposal on the field. Now, I, I, my personal opinion is that MLS gets that one wrong because from the way we were schooled at the Confederations Cup is that that monitor is supposed to be the last resort. The reason for that, of course, is that the moment the referee walks into the tunnel to look at the television, that takes a lot of time, right? And I can just see MLS um, getting ready to put in or get a commercial break in, you know, for the one minute that it takes the referee to make these decisions. So that's, I think, personally, they're doing in the MLS right now because they're just make it gearing up TV to, uh, you know, to use that little minute space put in an, at an advertisement because that's just enough time, right? But that's the reason we don't want to have that. We don't, like, the big concern with VR was that very long break, right? And you tweeted out that picture on how VR should be properly used. And yeah. And, you know, I thought it was really telling. Um, I'm curious to think, hear what you think about this. Yeah, well, we've, if no one's seen the picture, either um, have a look at my timeline on Twitter or even better, go to the DFL website and look at it for yourself. It just, it's, um, it's part of the advice, or not the advice, the explanation that the DFL brought in at the start of the season, and it explains very well how VAR works. Um, yeah, the referee delegates responsibility back over to Cologne. Um, and then the guys in the, in the, you know, the referee studio will have a look, the, the video assistant referees there will have a look and then they will make the decision and send it back to the referee. Now that is teamwork. Um, if the referee is, well, I don't really think you're telling the truth there. I want to, I want to look at it on the monitor myself. That is there for him. But if it's going to be a cohesive team, they should really be going um, off what the uh, the video assistant referee. That's how it works so perfectly in rugby. They go to the um, you know assistant touch judge or whatever it's called in rugby, and they have a look on the screen and they tell it straight away, and it's either given a try or not a try or whatever. And that works seamlessly, and and that's the way it's been working in the Bundesliga as well. And Manny, you're quite right that in uh, the MLS and some of the other leagues, they're going over to the screen and. 
and yeah, I can see why um, that may be popular in the States because of the um, advertising that comes through. Um, but as it stands, the Bundesliga is doing it correctly. Uh, the most minimum disruption time that we can have for the game is exactly what's needed. And, and that's what's being done at the moment. Um, and um, we've we've got a friend in um, uh, Ian Joy, haven't we? He used to play for St. Pauli, who chats us quite a lot. And, and he... Um, he liked it and, and retweeted it. So I think he was on our wavelength there, Manu, as maybe just not on Dr. Joe's. Yeah, I think Dr. Joe got that wrong. <laughs> I have uh, very strong opinions about Dr. Joe that maybe should not, you know, we sh- should maybe talk on a different part on that one. Yeah, for, uh, somehow I reckon we're going to be talking VAR for a while. Well, until it gets maybe uh, dropped or whatever. But um Manu, you, there's talk that um, Thomas Muller isn't exactly uh, very happy at Bayern Munich. Well, what exactly is going on there? I mean, last year we've seen uh, Philip Lamb and Bayern have, a, a, well, a few issues and then he ended up retiring. But um, you know, this is another legend that doesn't seem to be entirely happy. Yeah, this is, this is potentially dangerous, I think. Um, he, said, he, he said, apparently my skills aren't useful right now for the club. If there was ever a time bomb, that would be it. I think the, it's Bayern Munich's equivalent of the burning bucket. I, I think, you know, when Thomas Müller is upset, and this is a guy, you know, who stands for the club, who, is, who represents the club like no other player maybe in that squad. And if he comes out with a statement like that, I'd be pretty worried. Um, because if he's, not, if he's not happy with the playing time that he's getting, and he's obviously... A very good player. He had a fantastic preseason. He's probably the only player on that squad that actually had a good preseason. And he's coming out with a statement like that. I, I'd be very worried. Um, and Lothar Matthäus today said Thomas Müller needs a coach that 100% backs him up. I agree. He does. I mean, Louis van Hull um, famously said, from, Thomas Müller will always play for me. Even Pep Guardiola, and this was despite the fact that Müller is definitely not a Pep Guardiola kind of player, played Thomas Müller. And he was thanked for by you know, getting bucket loads of goals out of him. And all of a sudden, Carlo Ancelotti, he, he, Müller isn't useful anymore. I find that very, very hard to believe. I, I think Thomas Müller guarantees you goals if you treat him the right way, if you play him the right way. We're talking about a guy that's potentially going to hold the record for the most goals scored at the World Cup after next summer. And I find it odd what's going on. And I think that is a dangerous slope to go down on for, for Carlo Ancelotti because I'm pretty sure Thomas Müller has the backing of the likes of Oli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. Do, do you see him pushing for a move out of the club in the next few days? Oh, if, if he does that, then the, the Christmas tree is definitely on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I... Um... If, if he was to do that, there would be no shortage of suitors for his signature across many of the leagues. Um, I think you would have a couple of Premier League sides would throw the hat into the ring. Um, maybe even a couple of the Spanish sides would as well, because you know he will guarantee you goals as well as assists. It's it's very strange. I, I just get the feeling, especially after last season, that I don't know if Ancelotti will last a full distance this season. Yeah, that's he's opening a dangerous like that can of worms. She should have left that closed because um, I think that Müller is bigger at Bayern than the coach, and I know that's that's a crazy statement to make, but I think he is. Oh well, I think it's about time we move away from Bayern. We talk about another legend. 
uh, leaving the club, and that is Benedict Hovarez. Uh, it looks like he's going to leave uh, Schalke and go to Juventus, Chris, doesn't it? I mean, he's, he's played over 240 games there. That This is surely a, a rather big loss for them as well. I mean, he, he was stripped from captaincy uh, just recently as well. I mean, what, what exactly is going on there? Uh, I, I mean, is there a, you know, a fallout between the two of them? Or? Well, every now and again, managers come in. Um, and they don't even have to come in. They can be there, and all of a sudden, they'll have a fallout with a player. Um, and this is a clear example of that. And it's happened throughout time, and it and it will do again. I think you only have to look at the biggest one at the moment is uh, Conte and Costa, isn't it? Um, across European football, they've had a massive falling out. Uh, this <laughs> this is up there, especially for Schalke, because you know he's a stalwart for me. He is a a fantastic centre back. Uh, he's a World Cup winner. He's international pedigree. You know he's been Mister Dependable for them for years. I don't know why um, Tedesco is 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 ostracising him like this. I'm not really sure. Um, if Juventus get him, it will be a shrewd move by them. And I think he'll do really well in Serie A, by the way. Um, it's a little bit slower pace of the game. Um, and it's a very clever league as well. So, you, you know, you've got to have your head switched on. And I think he, he ticks all the boxes for that. Uh, I just find it really strange, especially after seeing them play today. Um, and they were unpicked a little by Hanover and you don't want that if you don't want to be being unpicked by the um, immediately promoted side so early in the season my sort of laughter at Tedesco's appointment um, a few months ago it, this is a naive judgment by him and one that could bite him I mean if he lets him go before the window shuts and then you know Schalke have some sort of uh, form like they had the start of last season you know, I mean, yeah, it, it it might be bad for them. Obviously, you know they they've got two games and three points, so you know they're slap banging in the middle of the table at the moment, and it's probably not even worth looking at the table until October November time. But I think if you lose someone as big as that in the dressing room, what sort of vacuum does it leave? Yeah, apparently, Chris, the entire thing was orchestrated to um, potentially opened the door for Leon Goretzka to sign a new deal. Uh, so they um, wanted to restructure the entire team hierarchy. So put Christian Fehrmann on top, who's a placeholder in case Goretzka signs a new deal and then Goretzka would become the new team captain. Now that is a lot of ifs and maybes and buts. And um, at the same time, you're basically ostracizing a player who has done everything for Schalke and stayed with the club even when they missed out on European football and had lots of suitors. I mean, a few years ago, after 2014, after they won, Germany won the World Cup, he could have signed for anyone in Europe, and he didn't. He decided to stay because he felt, you know, that that was his club. And for them to basically, and I'm going to use it this word, they, they backstabbed him on a gamble that they maybe can entice Leon Goretzka to stay Whew, that's a huge gamble uh, it's because it might totally mess fire. They might lose Hovidus in the summer, which I think they didn't think would happen. I think they thought they're going to strip him of his captaincy. He's going to be loyal. He's just going to stay. He's going to accept it. They didn't think he would react that way, and he has. And Goretzka might leave anyways, and then you basically lose two leaders rather than one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Tedesco copes um, with this loss. 
And if uh, Hoveris does uh, move on, they're going to have one of the promoted sides um, coming up next, um, playing Stuttgart. But speaking of uh, one of the other uh, promoted sides, uh, let's uh, speak briefly about Hanover. I mean, I suppose we all thought that you know, Stuttgart were the strongest side last year and they, they got when they got promoted we, we kind of tipped them to do pretty well this year which they still can do it's very early doors obviously but but Hanover will be delighted with their start with uh, two wins on the bounce um, Manu you, you kind of mentioned that you'd like to speak about uh, well the man who scored the winning goal today what can you tell us um, about uh, Brazilian Jonathan yeah so I guess it's um, it's football grad weekend isn't it on on the Gegen Pressing podcast, uh, another guy was played in, in the post-Soviet space in Russia, and uh, Jonatas for played for Rubin Kazan, and the Hannover paid a lot of money for him uh, in in salary and also in transfer sum. I mean, nine nine million euros doesn't seem like a lot of money um, with some of the transfers that we're seeing. But remember, Hannover promoted side. This is the biggest ever signing. Uh, he's 27-year-old Brazilian striker, big guy, a strong and physical guy. He didn't light up the Russian Football Premier League per se. He scored just nine goals last season. But that's actually quite um, quite a good turnaround for, turnout for, for a striker playing in that league. Um, only four players scored double digits in Russian football last season. It's a league where... There's very few goals scored. It's it's a bit like Italian football. It's very tactical. It's, um, a lot of teams play with three in the back. Um, that changes to five in the back when in defensive positioning. It's a it's a league where you have to um, really know your transition games. There's a lot of very good coaches in Russian football in terms of tactics, and um, that surprises people because they you know they don't they don't think that that league has that, but. I mean, we had Rostov uh, completely surprised by by München last year in the Champions League, and I mean, this is a side that has little to no money and still put out a perfect tactical uh, display. So you know, teams there know know how to play football. Now, Ruben needed a bit of money because uh, the the ownership structure. And we talked about this a bit on the Game Pressing podcast, uh, Football Grad podcast last week. Is that they they have a very wealthy owner, but the the structures of the ownership makes it difficult um, financially for them at times. So they needed to sell this guy, and um, that's how Hanufa was able to get him. So he's a very good striker, and he's a very physical striker. He knows how to play football. He knows how he's tactical, where adapt. So I think it's a very good sign for them, and I mean it paid off for them today. He's he's got the winning goal. Yeah, looking at his scoring record here when he's been in Spain as well, he he seems like he's going to be a. a Fairly decent acquisition there. His scoring record's fairly impressive, I think. He's going to get double digits this season. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll score more goals for Hannover than he did in, in Russia, simply because German football is more attacking oriented than Russian football is. So he'll he'll get a lot more opportunities, and he has better te- better players as teammates. Um, you know. Even Hannover, the Russian league is very good. It's a top five league in Europe right now, um, but it's the Bundesliga is a step up. But it also, of course, means that the players around you are better. And for a striker, that, that means a lot. You know, having the team set up around you. Um, we see that with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. You know, I, he gets thirty-one goals because the players around him make give him the ball in the right situation. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure Jonathan will score. Uh, more than 10 goals this year. 
And Chris, what, what a great start for Hanover, right? That's uh, two and two. I mean, uh, you can only beat who uh, you're up against, as we know. Uh, but, the, you know, it, it's fairly positive for them so far going into the international break. Well, yeah, yeah. If you would have said to them, where would you like to be by, you know, end of match day two as we go into the international break? Uh, we'd probably, they would have said 15th. Um, you know, not where, not where they are now, which is joint top in essence, isn't it? They're sitting in fourth place on um, goal difference, but it, it's early days. Uh, but, you know, the more they play, I mean, they're six points closer to that, you know, magic mark, um, than, than they were. You know, had they lost those games, so so yeah, I thought they I thought they played well today. Actually, from what I saw of them, um, I thought they were quite quick, um, and you would expect them to cause a few teams a couple of problems at home. Um, you know, in the HDI arena, it's just when they're on the travels, um, it's some of the traditional top six, top eight grounds where I think they may struggle, but. Um, you know, you're quite right, Bryce. You can only beat you know the team you're going to play against, and I thought that they were very good um, at, at times today. I think Yonatas um, is a great acquisition for them, and it is quite a lot of money. Eight million pounds um, is quite a lot of money uh, for a team that's just been promoted, and they seem to have got a couple of arrivals this summer um, and done a little bit of shrewd business. So, yeah, it'd be good for them to um, stay in the league. Uh, I think they, uh, Hanover makes a strong top league. I think this season the league is a lot stronger than it was last season with the two that have gone down. Yeah, most certainly. I think it's a, they're an exciting acquisition, aren't they? And they'll be facing uh, Wolfsburg in their next uh, matchup after the international break. But, um, yeah, we're going to talk about another side that's had a, a very positive start um, after after, well, several negative years. And Chris, I know that you tuned into the Friday night game and you've seen that Hamburg's performance. But again, that's two and two for them. How, how were they for you? Yeah, I thought they were. Um, I thought they were very, very good. I was shocked um, the way they went, the way they, the way they took the lead, the way they did. I was expecting a little bit more for Clone. So I don't know if I am surprised that Hamburg got off to a flyer or if I'm just really disappointed. Um, the fact that. Cologne look a really weak side and not just you know I don't think it's Anthony Modeste that's the problem because it wasn't scoring as such that was a problem on Friday night it was their defending I thought it was schoolboyish and they looked really disjointed at the back and it was typified by by Hamburg's third goal when um, Hector um, Jonas Hector tried a no look pass um, which went straight um, which went straight to the feet of uh, Ekdal, who then just fed in Holtby for for a, for a good goal in the end. Um, I thought they were well worth it. Those two quick goals uh, midway through the first half, though, I think pretty much killed Cologne, and there wasn't that much coming back from them. Um, I, th- I thought they were, they were very very good, and certainly a lot better than what we saw last season. Although the um, red red card uh, at the end may be a little telling for the rest of their games, I think. Yeah, Manu, do you see Hamburg having a well, for a change, having a good season? It's the curse of the pot. If I say they do, then they're not. <laughs> we saw what happened to Stefan. He goes on one pot and he says, this is a hamburger terrible. And then they actually look pretty good. I actually thought this was one of the better games this weekend. And uh, I, re- I really enjoyed it uh, for everything that this game had, uh, including the four A 10-minute break. 10-minute <laughs> break with 30 minutes of extra time. Yeah, um, a referee substitution, and then the referee comes on and shows a straight red card. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that before in the Bundesliga, but um, I actually thought Hamburg looked 
pretty decent. Um, Kostic was good. Han was good. Holby, when he came on, was good. I think that there, there, there is something there. There is a good foundation. Papadopoulos. <laughs> Isn't it, is there not a more... There, there's a man who forgot that VAR was in, in existence. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, poor Papadopoulos. But he is the the master of uh, the face expressions, isn't he? It's just he he was wrong what he did there, um, and VAR caught him. Actually, that's another shout out, positive shout out for VAR that they they got him and they go he showed showed him a yellow card. I actually thought that was brilliant. But he gives a lot to that side. You know, he's a character player, and his antics and all that kind of stuff make Hamburg a better team. So I, I thought Papadopoulos was actually a very good for Hamburg, and it's a very important player for them. Bryce, we, um, I was contacted by um, one of the guys who listens to us regularly. He's a nice fellow, Matt Toomey. So first of all, I need to say hello to Matt. Um, he's a big Cologne fan, and he's hoping that they can improve. Um, he said that their midfield looks light, and their forward line looks short on ideas. Um, that's pretty much... Um, my match notes from Friday night's game, um, I, I thought the midfield did look um, not light as such. So I'll agree, not light on quality, but it looked light on ideas. And the forward line, woof, um, Cordoba could have had a couple. He's just not settled as yet, I think, for me. Um, hopefully, um, with the international break and then some European football um, I'm hoping Cologne can kick themselves into life. But um, hello, Matt, and thanks for your um, question stroke statement. Yeah, I think we we all enjoy just um, you know what Cologne contribute towards the uh, league, uh, especially with those uh, well uh, very excitable fans at their home games. And it'd be a real shame, you know, if they had a, a real struggling season, wouldn't it? Especially after last year being so good. Um, they are in Europe as well, which. It'll be interesting to see just uh, whether that spreads them a little thin. But, yeah, they've got to come up with ideas pretty soon, haven't they? Even though it's only match day two, there wasn't a lot of positives to take from that game, was there? But uh, let's talk about a game that was, um, uh, well, rather entertaining. Uh, Manu, you said it may have been you know, the most exciting game that we've seen in the Bundesliga after after two weeks. And that's uh, Bayern Leverkusen against Hoffenheim. That that game finished at uh, 2-0. Um, yeah, rather excitable stuff, eh? Yeah, and it saved Stefan uh, because he did call out that that would be the game of the the weekend, didn't he? So well done, yeah, Stefan. Did. You didn't fall to the curse of the football God podcast network. <laughs> um, but that was that was a good game. I mean, I, I only saw snippets of it because um, my work meant I had to focus on the Bayern game. So uh, best to ask Chris about it. But from what I've seen from the highlights, and when I switched over to, to catch glimpses of it, it looked like probably the best game of the weekend. Um, it was the best game of the weekend. Now, for for anyone that's listening, um, I religiously watch every Dortmund game. So if Dortmund are on on a Saturday afternoon, I'll watch Dortmund. If they're on on either a Sunday or um, Friday night or the late Saturday game, I will watch on Sky, Germany, Sky DE, they have a thing called a conference, which is, if you're listening in the UK, it's like um, the soccer Saturday on Sky, but instead of people just describing the game in a studio they flick live from ground to ground so um they were at uh, the leverkusen game and then let's say a goal goes in um, in bremen they flick the screens over um, and you get a live feed from bremen and you see bayern's goal and they stay with that for a minute and then they flick around the grounds and um, normally you spend about uh, two minutes on each match and it flicks through and, and you get the overall feeling for the entire match day in in one fell swoop and it's a real good thing and man are you 
chatted on that before um, about its, its origins in radio, and, and it's it's a real cracking piece of television. I love it. Um, but but the conference was dominated by this game, which you don't normally get. You don't normally get one game completely dominated by it, and that's because it was just end to end constantly. Um, Hoffenheim looked dreadful for um, I would say the first thirty minutes. Um, and and then they came out after half time and and registered the goal that they needed. Um, but it was it was such a good game. Maybe not a good game if you're a fan of defending, um, but uh, if you're a fan of um, transitional football, it is one to watch. If you've not seen it, go back and watch it. And um, they were as both as good as they were bad, and that's what made it such a fantastic game. Uh, I thought Hoffenheim looked really ropey at the back, like they did on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night in Liverpool. Um, but then going forward, Kramaric and Uth and Wagner, I thought they looked very good. Um, and interestingly, Kevin Vogt was played a defensive uh, midfielder. Um, Nagelsmann changed it like he does like to. He went three at the back at Anfield and was torn apart, and he went four three three for this. And uh, it didn't look like it worked early on. But their team sort of kicked into gear and it did work on. But um, Bayer Leverkusen, with their um, flat four midfield, I thought were excellent. And I was really impressed with um, Bellarabi. Uh, he's in my Bundesliga fantasy team, so that's why I was impressed with him, because he got hurt me a lot of points this week. Um, and Julian Brandt and um, Volland were okay as well. Uh, but it was a really, really good football match to watch if you had no interest in who won or who lost it was just a brilliant game to watch so if you've not seen it make sure you watch it back and you you're leading the fantasy league right now um yeah yeah i don't like to brag well i suppose i do like to brag about it because i've sent it everywhere i've now yeah yes yes you do i'm well in the lead but you know maybe i might have a really bad second half of the season <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, Manu, Manu, the pressure's on us. We need to pull it together, I think. But um, yeah, just um, one last uh, note on Hoffenheim, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Manu, uh, Bayer are down in 14th. They're running at one point after two games. That doesn't look like your title challenging uh, form. Did you see them play against Hoffenheim? I mean, Chris just display, explained it. I think they, they, you know, they, all the tools and everything is there. They all kick into gears, they'll finish top four. Oh, yeah, trust me. <laughs> So you're going to hear this all season. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But we, we, we may end up uh, living to it to eat our words. Um, you know, in right? Manu's defence, um, once um, Henriks, Bender and Tar gel together at the back, I think they'll be fine because the midfield and their attacking options is absolutely fine. Um, but they just look a little bit susceptible at the back at the moment. But once they key that down, I mean, really really they should have put this game to bed and it should have been maybe 4-2 um, and then well, they opened up against Bayern in the uh, Allianz which is a tough ask of anyone so I think they're doing alright maybe the league lies a little for them at the moment oh, Very good well we'll no doubt be keeping a close eye on how they get on all season uh, but um, Chris uh, just before we move away from uh, Bundesliga and we talk uh, about the European draws uh, can you very quickly just uh, fill us in how RB Leipzig looked today they they beat Freiburg 4-1 I mean that must be pretty impressive right they looked dreadful for the first half I don't know what Hassan Huttle said whether he said he was going to sack them all 
or sell them all. But whatever he said at halftime worked because they were phenomenal second half. Um, uh, yeah, really, Freiburg should have been up more than um, than the goal they were. Um, it's a great goal, by the way, by uh, Niederlechner. If you watch the match back, he was in acres of space, the sort of thing you don't um, allow a player of his quality to have. Um, and quite rightly, uh, you know, he scored when he did, but he scored in the 23rd minute. But anywhere up to the 35th, maybe even the 40th minute, Freiburg could have had a couple more and they didn't. And then Leipzig came out second half and, and smashed him straight away early on, three minutes in, um, Werner. Um, and then after that, Orban. And um, and then Werner again. And then um, Brumer with, if you have not seen that goal, make sure you see it because it is just, if you think Sahin's was an exquisite strike, this is just unbelievable. He hadn't been on the field for very long as well. Uh, it was a really, really good second half performance. Probably one of the best second half performances I've seen by any side in a while because they were dreadful, Bryce, in the first half. Oh, not so good, but they pulled it round. And yeah, as you said, that Bruma goal, if you haven't checked it out, certainly do. You really pivoted round in the volley and oh, what a strike. But anyway, uh, Manu, let's talk about uh, Chami's league draw. Um, where to begin with this? Eh? Um, uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, and we're looking at the draw. I think the German teams didn't do too badly. And what's, what's your thoughts on, well, let's, um, let's look at Bayern Munich first. I mean, they've got Celtic. PSG uh, with all their wealth and Anderlecht. How do you see them getting on in that group? That's that's a good draw um, because you know they are basically in the battle with PSG to finish first in that group, right? And this is no disrespect to Anderlecht and Celtic. Um, I think that's you know it, it will be interesting to see um how Bayern do against PSG with the Neymar and all that. I think it, that's going to be a smashing game. And I'm going to be actually at the return leg in Munich because um I will be from November onwards in Germany and covering a bucket load of games and I mean Chris so will you will be busy. <laughs> we'll be really busy covering games for football grad and stadiums. But yeah, I'm I'm really and highly anticipate that clash, PSG and Bayern and one of the two will finish first and the other one will finish second. And Chris, no doubt uh, you will be making sure that you're involved uh, in Borussia Dortmund as always, but it's kind of a little bit uh, kinder to you that they'll be playing Tottenham. So I'm sure you'll be at Wembley, right? Um, I'm also going to Cyprus, Bryce, because I have a friend who lives in Cyprus, and that's the first thing she did was send me a message and say, "Oi, I haven't seen you for ages. Are you coming over?" So I was like, "Yeah, why not? Let's do that." So I will go and watch them play in uh, Apoel as well. Um, Yes, yeah, yeah. So. Dortmund Spurs, which is the first Spurs Dortmund, which is the first one. Wembley um, Spurs cannot play in Wembley at the moment. Um, Late leaked a very late goal today, 88th minute drop points. So they're finding it really difficult playing in such a big stadium. And I think they will because, you know, no matter where you are um, from in world football, everybody knows about Wembley Stadium and they all want to play there. So you get any team that will go to Wembley and it will raise their game by, you know, 10, 15%. And I expect Borussia Dortmund um, and Real Madrid will do that. And, you know, poor old Tottenham will be dumped out. I think the real winners though, if we're going to talk about German football, uh, RB Leipzig, um, who, if they play to their strengths, I can, I can potentially see them topping that group. Uh, Monaco, um, are a good side, but can blow hot and cold. Porto to same and Besiktas, 
not the best travellers in the world. So if RB Leipzig are anywhere near their best, especially like their second half best today, I think they'll have a real good opportunity of getting out of that. But for Borussia Dortmund, you would expect it's a straight fight between them and Real Madrid. And I think that's the third season on the run where Dortmund have been in the same um, Mm -hmm. group as Madrid. I honestly thought that when those pots came down, it was um, pot H and pot E. Uh, that the um, third, when Liverpool withdrew, they could only go into those two pots. I did actually think we were going to see um, Dortmund go back to Anfield, but it wasn't to be um, maybe in the next round or the round after that. But it's a really good draw um, for, for the German sides. It's They've avoided some, you know, some of the bigger pot three sides uh, and some of the bigger pot one sides. Um, you know, they... I wouldn't have liked to have seen either of them go to Chelsea or Juventus. So I know they've going to um, Bayern are going to PSG and um, Dortmund are going to Real. I just think at the moment that maybe Juventus and Chelsea are a little stronger, so they've avoided them, which would be good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, as Manu says, we're going to be really busy because not only um, do we cover German football, but we cover um, football from the post-Soviet space as well as South American football. But it, we've got a really kind draw for the Football Grad Network. So, yeah, expect to see us at lots of games. And Manu, obviously, um, going to Europa League, we've seen uh, Cologne go in there and, well, they've got a group with Arsenal. Um, will they be happy with that draw? It's a, I mean, it's a difficult draw, but it's also, I mean, it's it's really nice because they essentially got a Champions League team or um, actually set up with a straight face um, coming to visit them. And... You know, it'd be amazing for for Köln to have a team like Arsenal come um, to the stadium, the Müngersdorfer Stadium. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, you've been to that stadium. You know how great the atmosphere is. And I think the Arsenal, of course, favourites to win this group. Um, And then it will be Köln. I think they will have a good chance to advance because I know Red Star and... Bought the Borisov quite well from my work on Football Grad, and I think that Köln can beat those two sides easily. So I, I think that they they have very good chance to advance. Um, as for the other two German teams, Hertha Berlin, the only tough opponent that they have in their group is Athletic Bilbao. Soria Luhansk is another side that I know well, uh, Ukrainian side. It's it's a very well run Ukrainian team. It's a team that's unfortunately in exile because of the war with Russia. Um, but Berlin will be able to beat them. And then at Hoffenheim, I mean, Chris, um, they'd be quite happy with their draw too. Yeah, they will. And I think we all thought that it may be beneficial for them to be in a draw or in, in the Europa League because, you know, they did fantastic last season. But it's a real test when you play week in, week in weekend, week in, weekend. It's, it is a really big task. And I, I thought if they would have gone through to the Champions League, they may have been slightly embarrassed a little. But in this group now, I think they can get all the European experience they need. And they do need European experience if they want to you know, be a, um, a regular appearance uh, in both the Champions League and Europa League, they need to get that experience and Group C for them. I can see, you know, they're more than capable of beating Braga and Ludogorets, um, and maybe, um, you know, Turkish side Istanbul. I wonder how they will travel though, because you know we've only seen the one European away game that they travelled to, and I was there in the flesh, and they were pretty poor um, until Nagelsmann changed his tactics, but you know, too little, too late by then. 
So I can see them if they can win their home games and maybe draw a couple of their away games, uh, you know, at worst, then I could quite see them qualifying from that group. And then you're into knockout football and it's, you know, anyone's game then, isn't it? But yeah, I'm really excited to go and see um, Cologne at the Emirates, which will be brilliant. Um, and then um, I think we're going to be regular visitors to the Emirates in the Europa League uh, as a as a network, aren't we? Very exciting times for the Football Grad Network. Uh, plenty for us to, to cover and get involved with. Eh? Um, Manu, one last um, thing I, I feel we have to cover. Obviously, we've got international break coming up uh, this weekend. Um, are the German people afraid of Northern and how they may top the group? Yes, horribly afraid, Bryce. Uh, Thought so. I, I think we have to be really worried. No, uh, I'll go to the sides. I, I think that uh, I think Germany only need uh, if they win those two games on the weekend, uh, September first, September fourth. I think they're through. I think they qualified for the World Cup. So uh, maybe good news for you because you're playing us after that, and uh, we might not be as motivated. Although it's it's Germany, uh, I reckon they will you know be at their best no matter what. But yeah, um, yeah, we're not we're not going to be very happy to face your B team, your C team, or your D team, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if, if you can beat everyone else, um, you know, and we can finish second, we'll be happy enough, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's an interesting squad that he's taken to um, to these qualifiers because it's essentially seventeen players that were at the Confed Cup plus seven other guys, and um, you know, Serge Gnabry is in the side, um, Mario Gomez, Thomas Müller. Uh, no Manuel Neuer yet. He's being rested. He's just come back from from the from the injury, right? Uh, so, but Mats Hummels is back. Mesut Özil is back. Tony Kroos is back. Sami Khedira is back. Boy, this is this is a strong side. I think you know, it's pretty safe to say that they're going to win those two games and qualify for the World Cup. Yeah, I, d- I don't think they're really at much li- risk there uh, in that group. Though, uh, as I said, Northern can just hope for a second. But yeah, that uh, means that there's going to be no Bundesliga uh, next week. Uh, unfortunately, we've been grinded to a halt after two games. Um, guys, that more or less does it uh, for this week. Um, Although I do want to say something about that because I think that timing is horrible. We just, this is a useless yeah. international break for me. Yeah, I couldn't it is. agree more. If we just let, let's talk about this for a moment because we now had two match days. We're all excited and happy. Football is back. Um, club football is, you know, is the best thing. I, I do enjoy watching the German national team quite a bit. I did enjoy the Confederations Cup immensely. But these games should be showcase games. You know, they should happen maybe four or five times a year. That's it. Have the qualifiers in there maybe as well. So maybe tops um, have eight games, right? But the fact that we are now... We have an entire week of national team games. That's how it's spread out by UEFA. And that's why we have to take off. Now it's also still an amazing time to play football. It's early September. It's still nice and warm outside. It's beautiful. And we're wasting that slot to play national team games. I just, I don't know. It's the worst timing I can think of. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, rather frustrating, just as we seem to have got going again. Um, d- just a quick shout out to uh, Bundesliga Two, uh, where we actually seen Ingolstadt finally win a game. Uh, they're off the bottom. They're uh, finally picked up three points. Uh, Darmstadt also uh, pushing the top. So quite interesting, eh? But uh, we're going to move on and do a bit of a shout out. Manu, what have you got going on this week that you'd like to draw people's attention to? And where can people find you on the likes of Twitter? Yeah, so we're going to actually preview some of these national team games, um, and that's that's really all the, anything major that's going to happen. And then four days till the transfer window shuts. That's fantastic news. I think that's the best news of next week. I think we're all going to breathe a heavy sigh of relief, and that's finally um, done and dusted with because this transfer window was too long and I think we can all agree that the transfer window in general is too long so we'll keep an eye on that but yeah um, that's basically what we're going to cover um, and that can be all found on Football Grad Live and then you know the respective sites footballgrad.com fußballstadt.com footballsidage.com And Chris what have you got going on this week what would you like to draw people's attention to? Um, well if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter they can at Chris78Williams um, and then I've just got some reactive writing so um as Manu said, we've got some international previews and then um, I'm, I'm going away, Bryce. I'm going to take full advantage of the international break. Um, international football doesn't really float my boat. Um, I'm going to Bulgaria to do some football coaching. So I'll be in Bulgaria for a week. That's a good choice, Chris. Very good choice. Could you take me? I've got a stag do to go to. Um, have you got a qualification in coaching? I can make one up. There we Please go. Do. You can come then. Brilliant. Yay. No, well, that'll more or less do it. I think uh, we'll be back uh, soon. Um, I've been your host, uh, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 Thank you very much for uh, tuning in and our videos in. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Ich hab It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.